0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show.
1: Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. <laughs> okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage
0: Talk. And text line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Back in the studio after being in the big, giant, metal, unheated talking box yesterday out at the Century Store in Delafield. Yeah, It, it is. It's, it's like yeah, there, there, there's like a little teeny tiny space heater in this metal box that sits outside. And so it's really, really cold in there. Now, the space heaters ultimately kick in. Typically, you know, we get there, we start around 11 o'clock, and they do kick in. So by the time 3 o'clock rolls around and the afternoon news guys come in, they go, oh, it's okay in here, a little bit chilly. I said, no, no, you should have been here at 11 or 12 or 1. You're just smiling.
2: (laughs) I heard you off mic at 2 o'clock with the engineer. The engineer said, it's getting better in here. And you said...
1: (laughs) Yeah, better. <laughs> it 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 was. Well, see, there, there's these big, and I guess I we've been using that mobile broadcast facility for a long, long time, and I did not realize. There's these big, I, I mean, I thought it was a heater and an air conditioner. You know, uh-uh, it's just an air conditioner, which is why, you know, you don't turn that on because it will just blow cold air. So there's a little teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny space heater that's there that's, not working that well and apparently everybody knew it wasn't working that well so our, our our engineer John god bless him he he brought a little tiny space heater from his wife's bedroom from their bedroom you know and he put it there and it was it was yeah it was it was getting a little bit better but the purpose of being there was to get toys for kids and i want to thank all the people that stopped off and all the generous donations and even the lady little old lady walks by, senior citizen, walks by. It's pouring rain. Well, it's cold. It's raining. She comes up to the mobile broadcast facility. Now, most people that walk by, they'll wave, they'll give you a thumbs up. This lady came up and made the worst face that I have ever seen, this snarled face of hatred and anger, and, and kept doing the thumbs down thing. And I'm like... Hey. Okay, fine. I I get the idea. Go buy a toy and give it to the kids anyways. It'll make you feel better. We have a lot of stuff on today's program, including... At 2.30, it is the final pop culture corner of the year because I always take a little bit of time off at the end of the year figuring out how much vacation I have left. So next Wednesday is my last day until January 2nd. So this will be our last Friday, which means our last pop culture corner. We will go out with a bang. Lots and lots of stuff going on. Big election overseas. The House Judiciary Committee votes on a straight party line vote to impeach the president. Where is this going to go? Lots more stuff. But I want to start with a story out of Milwaukee. There, and we have talked about this before, there's this huge controversy in Milwaukee about local people, people who work for local government, city of Milwaukee government who now as a result of a law that was passed in the legislature in 2013 they now no longer have to live in the city so what you have seen is a lot of local employees people particularly people who work for the police department and the fire department there for whatever reason deciding that even though they work for the city of milwaukee they don't want to live in the city of milwaukee and you know we've talked about the reasons for this before Maybe it's you know they don't want to send their kids to MPS. Maybe they are concerned about the astronomical property taxes. I, I don't know. Maybe they're concerned with crime, etc. But you have um, almost what half the police department who now has moved outside the city, and the fire department are following them. Other agencies are heading off that way as well. But it it just it kind of is what it is. Some people are all upset about that. To me, my answer is, well, you know, maybe maybe instead of worrying about the fact that people are moving, you should concentrate on the why. What is it that is driving police officers or fire department officials to move outside of the city? Maybe figure that out and and then it would be a better place to live for everybody. But anyhow, the city is wrestling with ways that you can Incentivize public employees for staying in the city. Currently, there are are small salary bonuses that are paid to workers that live in the city. Those bonuses apparently aren't great enough to stop the the exodus that's going on. So, there's another thing that they were considering doing with the police department. Now, I, I don't know how how whether you know this or not, but when when a police officer wants to be promoted there there's a whole process that that you go through to find out you know who's who's eligible and if for example if you want to be promoted to a detective or a sergeant or a lieutenant there's a whole process that you go to there there's a test that is given and that the, you get points for the the test there's an oral exam that's given you get points for that You, there's what they call a career review. You get points for that and you get points for seniority. So they put these things all together and then you get a a promotion list that comes out based on all these different factors. And then as promotions, as promotions are made, what they're supposed to do is that they're supposed to start at the list and kind of, you know, move, move down. Ultimately, you know, the list, what happens is, okay, they, they get everybody on the list, they're promoted, it's qualified, and it's made the cut, and then you have other tests, so you have this list that's always running. Apparently, what's happened recently is that the the last lists for promotions were established in 2015 and they've been exhausted. They've run through all the names. And so now what's happening is the Milwaukee Police Department has a staffing issue, including a shortage of over 40 detectives, because they don't they don't have this promotion list. Even if they wanted to fill these spots, it's difficult to do it because they don't have the, the lists. The lists, they've, they've promoted everybody um, that w- was eligible for the promotion, all right? So they've got to come up with new lists. One of the things that has been kicking around is the idea that when we're preparing these lists for promotion, and we've got all these different things, you know, for where where you get rankings, your your test scores, your oral exam scores, your seniority, your career review, one of the things that has been suggested and is is apparently supported by the the mayor is the idea of giving people a bonus, a preference, X number of additional points – If they live in the city, the idea being that people who decide that they are going to live in the city would have a leg up on other candidates who don't live in the city. Now, as it stands right now, this has been going back and forth between the Fire and Police Commission and the, and the um, Common Council and the Milwaukee Police Department. But as it stands now, there's no preference that's given to people for living in the city for promotions. The mayor and story that I'm looking at on urban Milwaukee, the mayor, I mean, his office ends up saying that, well, you know, the mayor always supports the mayor, you know, supports the idea of. Well, here's what he actually says. They say that the mayor wants residency to be a factor in every hiring decision. That's what his office says. So the mayor would like, presumably, to see people get that preference. So, you know, if you're wanting to be a detective and you live in the city, you have an edge over somebody who doesn't. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand incentivizing, giving incentives to encourage people to live in the city as opposed to moving out. And if you want to give a modest salary bump and you can afford it, I have no problems with that. But when it comes to promoting people Don't we really want merit to be the, the driving factor? and that would be merit described on you know, who does well on the tests, who does well in the career review, you know, who has seniority? Don't we want merit? for promotions, deciding who's going to move up the career ladder, who's gonna be going in management, do we really want to give a bonus simply because people live in the city? And let me just ask this. Uh, what what happens just theoretically? What happens if hey, you're living in the city. You get the you get the points. You get the promotion and then 6 months later you decide you're going to move out of the city. Are we going to take the promotion away from you? 414-799-1620. That's the Equinet Mortgage Talk and Text line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on.
3: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs>
1: Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with David in Milwaukee. Hi, David. Good morning. Good morning. We're actually afternoon, but good afternoon, David. (laughs) What do you think?
4: Well, I I think the premise is all wrong. In other words, if you live in a city and you want to get a job in a city position, I don't care that it's police or farming or DPW. You should live where you're being paid. You can go to the suburbs, it's just America. You can you can leave and go go live out there, fine. But you want the person in the cop or the police department started this about 20 25 years ago. And I guess what they're saying is that I want top dollar, but I don't want to live in a city.
1: Okay, but let me let let's put that ship has sailed, David. I mean the law I mean so that that ship has sailed. The law says that you don't have to live in the city anymore. So now you lots gotta of change people the law are it, Well, okay, you, but that's not where I want but that that's That's not going to happen anytime soon. Let's talk about one of the policies that's there. For the people who work, say, for the police department, who live outside the city, or the people who live in the city, should they get a preference in promotions?
4: In my opinion, it should be a one-size-fits-all. You want to be a cop or a fireman in a city, Milwaukee? There's unified unified salary uh, stations. They already got a strong union. They already are paid better than the suburban uh, firefighting and police facilities in other communities. They're ahead of the curve. And I say we make the city weaker when we don't allow or don't require our city employees to oh, live in the city.
1: Okay, Okay, you, but you're, you're ducking the question. The, we're, we're not talking about whether there should or should be a residency rule, because there, there is no residency rule. What I want to talk about is when we talk about promotions – do you give a preference for promotions to the people who are living in the city?
4: If you're going to keep it that simple, the answer is absolutely yes. Okay, so
1: because then the what
4: reason ha- why they left is for monetary reasons. So if you can have that person rethink, or a person who's already here, at benefit by living here, there's already people. A- aren't
1: you things. concerned that we're then going to be promoting less qualified candidates to mark to?
4: That's a red herring. You wow. have to pa- you have to pass certificate, uh, high levels of of uh how can i say well no it's not no no it's not a
1: red well it's not a red herring that's why they come out with the promotion list that rank all sorts of people i mean it's the 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 40th guy on the list is presumably less qualified than the first guy on the list
4: i would hope so meaning yeah. that's why that's why it's not easy to become a cop and it's not easy to become a fireman i know uh, great people who didn't pass uh, uh becoming yeah. a fireman and you would think that's less Controversial than becoming a cop, so it, it's it is a tougher uh, life to hold in a big urban city. We're the largest city in the state of Wisconsin. We're going to have more problems. We have greater
1: well. I guess uh, the, I and, mean, David, and, I mean, I guess that's my point, David. I guess I, my my point is, and look, and, and I I understand, what they do is they give a, a salary differential for people who live in the city, and I, I understand why they do that and if you can afford it, I do not have a problem. But when it comes to promoting people on things other than merit that really have nothing to do with overall experience. We're not even talking about, say, giving a veteran's preference, because you could argue that, okay, somebody who's been in the military has maybe picked up certain life experiences would be valuable. We're talking about giving a preference for promotions to important jobs based simply on, you know, what zip code somebody is living in. Now, I guess my question becomes, is is that good policy? Let's talk to Mike in Big Bend. Mike, here on WTMJ. Good
2: afternoon, Jeff. Um, I'm in law enforcement. myself in Milwaukee County, and I totally disagree with that last caller. You have to promote the best man for the position.
1: Or so woman. Or woman. On, <laughs> or woman. And,
2: or woman. Or a woman. I'm right, sorry. Got and it. Testing, the evaluations, how much time they have on their job. What does it matter if they live in Glendale or Milwaukee, um, that matters nothing except for maybe response time to the station. Right. I mean, the, the, we need to get with the times here. I do agree with a little incentive and pay if you live in the city for all city employees, yeah. but the times are changing here. And in law enforcement, in my opinion is I don't want to live in the community I, I uh, work in, I want to live a private life in my off time. I live in a rural area. I don't want to live in a city. And why should the department and city policy dictate that? That seems like it's infringing on my rights as an employee.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, thanks to God. That was the rationale behind doing away with the residency rules. I mean, most communities in the state did not have residency rules. Milwaukee, because it felt that if they got rid of the residency rules, you'd have an exodus of employees, which actually has, has kind of turned out to be the case. Um They, they, they fought it tooth and nail. And, and that's okay. And we will, I'm sure over the years, have an opportunity to discuss the wisdom of that, and maybe if there is a different legislature that's in place, maybe you know they'll take a look at this and say, "Okay, maybe we'll give communities the ability to reinstitute uh, residency rules." Oh, okay, we'll have that discussion at the time, but right now there is not. And to me, I guess I look at this idea that when it comes to something that is important, and I am with you when we have promotions in law enforcement, I want the best. I, I want the best. I don't care whether they live in, to your point, Glendale, or whether they live in Waukesha, or whether they live on the northwest side of Milwaukee, or whether they live downtown. I, I don't care about residency. We don't. We want. Law enforcement, don't we want the people that have scored the best? Don't we want the people that otherwise on merit should be the most eligible for promotions? Don't we want those people to be the ones that are on the list that are performed? Because look at the problems we've had, you know, with the Milwaukee Police Department. And, you know, you can argue that, look, it's an important job. There's important decisions that need to be made. I want the best qualified candidate now if you want to say let's pay the best qualified candidate okay we're going to do the promotion and we're going to reward somebody that's living in the city we'll give them a little bit of extra dough that's okay with me don't have a problem with that but i do have a problem with dumbing down the process by saying we're going to give you extra credit for living in the city And again look at the practical aspect of this as well you get promoted you get you get the points. You're living in the city. You get promoted. Now because you've got those extra points, you're getting a little bit of extra money. Now you move out to Glendale. What's gonna happen? You're gonna lose your promotion? Is that what we're going to do? Hey, if now if you move out of the city, despite the fact that you have the right to do that, we're we're not gonna hire you? I mean, we're gonna are going to you gonna lose your gig. Just doesn't seem to me that it's practical. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on
1: WTMJ. Hey, are you ready for one of Wisconsin's best golf experiences? Sticks Golf Bar in Germantown is your perfect golf getaway, especially when it's too cold to hit the course. Six golf simulators, 84 different golf courses that you can play, as well as a driving range. Very, very cool. Um, from now until December 23rd, tune into my show from noon until 3 for your chance to win a $25 gift card to Sticks, a virtual reality golf bar. It's the Jeff Wagner 12 Days of Stixmas. Keep listening for your chance to win somebody, a caller, one caller, will win a $25 gift certificate sometime between now and the end of the program. Okay. Well, yesterday, Marquette University law school poll comes out, and actually, as as I said, just as a brief analysis of this, I was a little bit surprised. A a month ago, they came out with numbers that were very, I I think, a little bit surprisingly pro-Trump to me. And I say surprisingly because I, I know that the tone of media coverage is just so relentlessly negative towards the the president that you, you start to think that okay everybody feels about the president the same way that the people who report for the New York Times does and the truth is that does not appear to be the case Marquette University Law School poll yesterday s- suggested and I consistent with their results from a month ago that Wisconsinites at least are not on board the impeachment train at all as a matter of fact only 40 percent of wisconsinites believe that president trump should be impe- impeached and removed from office in contrast 52 percent believe he should not be right that's that's a pretty telling number and you know that is consistent with the numbers from last month. So all the the testimony and the hearings, at least in Wisconsin, and at least if you believe polls, and I understand there's always that asterisk, it, the, the needle is not moving. If anything. I think you find more people who are just convinced that this this impeachment is just not the right way to go. And since impeachment is a political process, if you try to do something like this without overwhelming approval, you are are destined to fail. The other interesting thing in the Wisconsin poll, keep in mind that 40 percent of the people believe that the president should be impeached and, and removed. You look at the head-to-head numbers. The, the, okay, if the election were held today, would you vote for Donald Trump or would you vote for somebody else? Um, and what you see is that the numbers, for example... Um Vice President Joe Biden leads Trump 47 to 46 that that's within the margin of error of the poll Trump leads Bernie Sanders 47 to 45 um, he leads Elizabeth Warren 45 to 44 but that that's within the margin of error but here's the really telling question keep in mind only 40 percent of respondents supported impeachment and removal and yet if you ask hey would you vote for somebody other than Trump You know, 44, 45, 46, 47 percent said, yeah, we we have another candidate. So that tells me that there's a a decent chunk of people out there who, even though they don't intend to, as expressed now, vote for President Trump, they, they still don't support the impeachment inquiry. Which kind of tells you that if Democrats thought that this was going to have this huge groundswell and the hearings and all this type of stuff would would build up in this giant mass force of people wanting to and demanding that the president be removed, it, it it hasn't happened. So today... You had the vote in the Judiciary Committee, strictly on a party line vote, 23 Democrats, 17 uh, voting in favor, 17 Republicans voting against. The matter will go to the full House probably early next week and along Probably a party-line vote, with the exception of the fact that there's already been one or two Democrats who said they're not voting for this. My guess is there will be some more Democrat defections. You're going to have some Democrats who um, represent districts that Donald Trump won big in 2016. They're not going to vote for this. But you only need a majority, and there's enough of a working majority that you will have articles of impeachment returned. The case then goes to the Senate, and it's, it's very, very clear what's going to happen. Republicans control the Senate. And there's probably a couple Democrats who aren't going to vote for this either. Mitch McConnell on Fox yesterday saying there is zero chance that President Trump is going to be removed. There's just zero chance. And he Mitch McConnell can count. You're not going to have a massive defection of Republicans. You're not going to lose 16 Republicans who are going to join with all the Democrats. Matter of fact, you know, this is going to go over to the Senate. And I understand this might be making some people's heads explode. You might not want to hear it. But the truth of the matter is there will be I don't know if there'll be a trial Don't know how they're going to do it. They might just do this in a sort of summary fashion. But whether they have a full-blown trial or they do it in a summary fashion, at the end of the day, in the first or second week of January, President Trump is going to be either the articles of impeachment are going to be dismissed or more likely he is going to be acquitted. That's just the reality. It's what's going to happen might be frustrating for some of you, but that's what's going to happen. So by mid-January, we're going to be right back where we were before all this impeachment stuff started. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is what I want to discuss with you. Has it all been worth it? Given that this is it's been preordained from the, the beginning for the better part of a couple of years. You had the investigations by the Mueller report by Robert Mueller, that there were a lot of people who just never thought that the Donald Trump presidency was legitimate. And they were sure that uh, the Mueller report was going to be the smoking gun that brought him, that brought him down. That didn't work out. So now you have this one call in June. Now it, it's resulted in Donald Trump being only the third president in the history of the United States to be impeached. And the reality is, yeah, that's going to happen on a party line vote. The country very, very divided in Wisconsin. We're, we're not with that process at, at all. But the truth is that, that it's not going to result in the removal. We, we know this. The results are preordained. So has it all been worth it or has it been just a colossal waste of time? Political theater designed to try to influence the next election without Really, that noble motive of trying to—I don't know—remove somebody who's done something worthy of removal. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. Let's start with Tim in Grafton. Tim, you're on WTMJ.
5: Hey, Jeff. Hi, Tim. Uh, waste of time. Waste of money. You know, everybody knew what was going to happen from from the start. It's just a—you know—I mean, only three presidents I think prior have been impeached. Two. And they actually, actually they actually yeah. done something. Actually, it was actually lying to Congress, which Clinton did, and then um, Andrew, Jackson. About
1: Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson uh, and the bank, and yeah, right. And, and and Nixon would have been removed, but he quit before that. Yes,
5: he he resigned. He had the right. honor to resign at that point. Jeff, my question to you is this, and we can take real quick. Number one, do you think they should just dis- dismiss or go to trial, Jeff? And if they do go to trial, Jeff. The witnesses that are called, even Hunter Biden or whoever, whoever they decide to call, because now they have to come clean. Do those subpoenaed witnesses or subpoenaed people that have to speak or testify, do they have to show up? And if they don't, what happens at that point? I'll hang up and listen. Well, thank Well, thank I you. mean, if, thank
1: you. You as well, Tim. Well, what happens is you can issue subpoenas and and Hunter Biden can try to fight it. He can come in. He can take the Fifth Amendment. You know, you can you can do that. I don't think that's going to be the route they go. My and I understand that some people are saying, oh, let's have this full-blown trial. Let's bring in Richard Schiff. Let's make him testify. Let's do this. My guess is that the general sense is going to be that that people are worn out by this, and my guess is it'll be what I would describe it as summary proceedings, probably based on, on the reports and the information obtained in the Judiciary Committee and in these Intelligence Committee hearings and all this. My guess is that they just... It's a summary trial based on what's here. I mean, again, it's preordained. So the only question becomes, do Republicans think that they can score political points by, again, bringing in a Hunter Biden or someone like that? I don't think they're going to end up doing that. My guess is this is going to be a two or three day procedure. Everybody knows how they're going to vote. I mean, it's just the only question is you've got a couple Democrats in the Senate who are doing the political calculus saying, all right, if I vote, if I vote in favor of removing the president, what's that going to do when I run for reelection next year in Alabama, for example, is that going to help me? Is it going to hurt me? That's the only thing that's going on. There's the political calculus in those decisions that are being made, but it's, it's not going to change anything. So to answer your question, my guess would be it's going to be a summary proceeding. 414 that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was it worth it? If you're on the line, please hold on. Back with more calls in just a moment.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: 414-799-1620. How is this president supposed to affect other presidents? Republicans are saying it's okay for a personal person to use government money for their own political purposes. The president is not a king unless he's a Republican. You want a civil war? I do not understand that tweet. 414 <laughs> That's the accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dan in Milwaukee. Dan, was it all worth it? Well, I agree with you 100%.
2: They are going to impeach him. He's going to get off and he's going to walk away. My question, i got a big question
5: for you. You have Rudy Giuliano born into the White House today, okay?
2: okay? Now,
4: if he gets off and he, and he does his running for the, uh, to get reelected, is he gonna go and start bringing? Let's say Biden gets dominated, uh, and then is he gonna use the Ukraine thing against Biden?
2: Is that not the, Is that is that is that interference then?
1: Well, I mean, thanks for. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what would be interference again. I I, I guess I, I don't understand the, the the Ukraine thing is pretty much history at, at this point in time. Are there people that believe? And I happen look. I don't understand what Hunter Biden was doing, you know, with this particular job when Joe Biden was the vice president. I mean, if you want to talk about just influence trading, tell me that Hunter Biden would have gotten hired in the capacity that he was in, you know, if his dad hadn't been the vice president. Now, I'm not alleging that this stuff goes on all the time. And, you know, you can say, oh, this is what happened with Trump or this is how. I, and and look, I don't want to go down that route because I don't think that that would have been an impeachable offense, just like I don't think Trump committed an impeachable offense. I, I just I don't believe that. Not saying that I think he behaved appropriately in that call. But that's a big difference between saying that somebody has done something that's worthy of being removed from office. You know, will Ukraine be an issue? Yeah, it, it, it will. This impeachment thing. I mean, this is served to, I think, harden a lot of people's attitudes towards the president one way or the other. If you believe the Marquette University Law School poll, um, there looks to me like there's a little bit of a backlash developing against the attempt to remove him. But, you know, is Ukraine going to be an issue moving forward? Sure. Will Democrats complain campaign over the next several months on look, Donald Trump is only the third president to be, you know, impeached. Even though he wasn't removed, this means he's not fit for office. If Joe Biden is the nominee, will Republicans argue, hey, Joe Biden's a crook and what was his kid doing, you know, on this board or whatever? Yeah, that that's gonna be an argument. People will have to sort it all out. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty Ted in Benson in Bensonville. Hi Ted.
5: Hi, Jeff. I guess the first thing I would say is, uh, for entertainment value, people, unfortunately, never tire of hearing dirt about somebody else. So it was not a waste of time on that front. Secondly, it does expose to the world the Machiavellian nature of the Republican Party and watching these guys go to bat for this guy, no matter what he does, no matter what evidence is there, they're going to bat for him. And I, I find something interesting, Jeff. I notice on a national level, every time I hear a guy Really going the bat for the president in his impeachment hearing. He invariably has a deep Southern accent. I don't know if that tells. A deep Southern accent at just about every guy, other than that one woman up from uh, the Northeast, who defends him. I, I kind of find that interesting too. I think that says something.
1: Do you are are you? Could you say the same thing about, okay, today was a party line vote. You had all the Democrats who lined up for impeachment. Do you think that's just as interesting as all the Republicans lining up to vote against?
5: No, because here, here there, the, the Democrats are bringing the case against him. It. So it's really, you watch the defense. These are facts. So that they, they bring out the facts, and they vote for the facts they need. They know every vote they need. They know they need every vote hmm. because they got the other Machiavellian side going against them. Well, uh, so both sides have to stand uh, in solidarity. But one side standing in solidarity of a guy while there's evidence, you know, p- compiling about him being not doing the right thing.
1: Well, I guess, I mean, my, my point would be, Ted, and, and this is if you are a regular listener to this program, you know that I'm not a guy who, who has, has drank the Donald Trump Kool-Aid. Matter of fact, whenever I talk about President Trump, I can show you texts and emails. You were one of these never Trumpers. You, <clears throat> you know, you've never been on board. Okay, so that's I, I like to think I have a little bit of credibility uh, on those things because while I think. Look, I love what's going on with the economy now. I, I, I just, I, I do. I love the fact that, you know, we have record joblessness, uh, record low joblessness. I love the fact that, you know, people's 401ks are making money. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's been a wonderful economic ride and, Yes, I I think the president deserves some credit for that. Not all the credit. I know president deserves credit for that, for all of it. But, yeah, I, I think it's been great. At the same time, I've been more than willing to criticize President Trump when I think it is appropriate. I don't believe that he committed an impeachable offense. Which is different than saying, did he handle things correctly on that particular phone call? And my answer would be no. And I, I think he was careless and sloppy with language when he said, um, favor. I don't think a president, by the way, should be asking a leader of a foreign government to um, investigate another American citizen. I think it was inappropriate. Does that mean I think that it rises to the level of something that you remove somebody for office for? No, I, I, I don't. And you know, reasonable people can disagree on that, but let's understand this: this is political theater in the extreme. I think a long while ago, and and I started saying this several weeks ago. I wasn't the first one, but I mean, I to me, what should have happened here. Is if the House would have returned instead of going through this whole hoopla, if they would have gone through a censure resolution saying, okay, we we condemn this particular phone call and to the extent that it looked like there was a quid pro quo or whatever, we think that's inappropriate. My guess is if they had done that, you know they would have gotten Republican votes you know if they had not, in my opinion, overplayed their hand on this impeachment because I, I think there's a lot of people. Including a lot of people in Wisconsin that responded to that Marquette poll, who would have perhaps supported a resolution of censure because they have an issue with, you know, the way this call played out. Without saying we don't, well, at the same time saying we don't think this justifies his removal from office. I, the censure resolution was the way this should have been handled, but for whatever reason, the Democrats decided because it's important to their base which isn't a majority, certainly it's not a majority of people in Wisconsin, they, because it's important to the base and the people they're going to raise money from when they run for reelection, that they had to go ahead with this whole idea of impeachment, which has been doomed from the start. It's really too bad that they didn't do the censor resolution. I think that would have accomplished a lot. All right, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. To answer the question I posed, has this been a colossal waste of time? I don't know if it's been a colossal waste of time, but it, it has been a waste of time. There's all sorts of other things ways that this could have been handled that might have even gotten some bipartisan support like a censure resolution but by trying to again be don quixote tilting at the windmill of removing him from office democrats overreached and i think there might be a backlash
0: live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner
1: so Eric Dolsteck, first of all, I'm gonna say you're where are you? You're on the road today. You for yeah, people we who do, first of all, for people who do not know you have been doing double for whatever reason between vacations. John McCure is off on another cruise or ah, something, yeah. and and <laughs> Melissa Barkley's out sick, yep. and we've got people. All these moving parts that are going around. It's like everybody around here is sick except you and me. <laughs> <laughs> like I would. And, and right, we're trying to. And I'm. I, I mean, I, Scafidi all week. Who you know speaks into the same microphone that I <laughs> speak in. You know, he's like coughing up a lung and all. Yep, and I'm yep, like, yep. okay, well, so. But you have been. Like doing Wisconsin's afternoon news and all this other this management stuff, and you are you're on the road today. You're yes. at the Bavarian Beer House in Glendale. Mm-hmm. That's Looking on my way home. I might stop by yeah, have a you beer. Should. Yeah, it's on, it's kind of on the way home. We have something tonight, but I think I have some time to right. uh, to do that. And you've been we've got all the Capco stuff going on and right. all the yep. remotes. Yep. So you, I, I did not want the program to end without acknowledging that it, it's been a heck of a week for um, Eric Ghost. <laughs> well, no, no, because you well, cause you, 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 were it, out, no, you were out. No, you were out in Delafield where I was, and right, you know yesterday and today you're. Doing all that, and you've been doing all this stuff behind the scenes. Do you know who Janoris Jenkins is? Did you see the story? No, Gru. Do you know who Janoris Jenkins is? Have you seen the story?
2: Uh, yes, and yes.
1: Okay, the guy he he plays. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback for the New York Giants. Okay, okay. and well, he was a quarter, Pro Bowl quarterback for the New York Giants. Now the New York Giants are off. Mm-hmm, okay, yep. he's in. He's got one. He had one year left on a five-year, $62 million contract that, that he signed. So mm-hmm. he's got one year and – he had one year and, I guess, two games left, okay? So um, they, they cut him today. What happened is earlier this week, he responded. I mean, he's been getting – he's been getting all – these players get all sorts of flack from, from fans and all – And I think it would be a good advice to anybody in the public eye just not to pay attention to social media right you know it's just I, oh yeah I mean, some, but, some are really good about that they well right stay you, away I mean, for nine months i mean i can only imagine you, you you i should just one day i should let people come in and see the tweets and the emails and <laughs> stuff and and, and it's 90 percent of it is positive and it's great and it comes with the territory and then you have the trolls and the haters that are out there and and you got to just kind of just ig- ignore them i yeah. just kind of kind of like smile like the older lady last night who's just like booing when we're standing outside <laughs> she's standing out in the, in the cold drizzle booing you know so it you just got to kind of let it go so anyhow he um takes to twitter and he's apparently posting his stats he, he's like okay well I, i'm having even though the giants aren't doing well i'm, I'm doing a, a a good job and somebody goes after him for this well you know you know how come you're only posting your stats you know you're not helping the team win and he responds by saying i can only do my job and then he, in the tweet, calls the person, well, we don't use the word anymore, but it, it's a slang for somebody who's mentally ill. Ah, okay? okay. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the R the word. The R word. Right. The yes. R word. You know, that, 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 maybe 15, 20 years ago, people threw around. Nowadays, we, we just don't. But, mm-hmm. but he, he, he calls this guy this and he responds to somebody out there in the Twitterverse and he uses that term. Okay, so this then blows up. He look, he he said this word out there and he 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 just really doesn't back off. I mean, you know, apparently the giants talked to him about it and he doubles down. (laughs) He kinda doubles down on this. And then he says, "Look, this is just slang." You know, he said, "I I, this, I use this word. This is it's just slang. I didn't mean it to be offensive." Mm-hmm. Blah, blah 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 blah. Anyhow, the Giants cut him today um, because of this. Just just dropped him. Um, and now now his response is uh, his response to that is best news ever. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's maybe like, that's what he wanted all yeah, along. He's, he's like, yeah, but it, it's just kind of like the. I guess in this world of social media, for people who are in the public eye. Uh, it's just—it's amazing to me that that these guys and their agents and their handlers just don't don't take the phones away from them.
0: Right, but it's not just them, Jeff. It's everybody. I'm still amazed, given all we've learned and all we've seen, and some of the silly things that some people have said online, whether it was yesterday or ten years ago. Right. I'm still shocked. At some of the things people will post, right? I, eventually, a boss, a spouse, a child, someone is going to see that post. It just I I don't understand why people think that.
1: Right? they just they, they just I think what's happened. I, and I always tell this story. I had a, a professor of mine in law school, Jim Giardi, passed away a couple of years ago. He was a great man great lawyer and his his advice and this is before when i when i got a law school it was before al gore invented the internet and and his advice was always there's going to be things that happen when you're practicing law and you're really going to get hacked off use another word you know if you want Mm -hmm. hacked off at, at some somebody and he said my advice is this write the letter in response. Right. Have your administrative assistant type it up, write it, and you tell them whatever you think about them. And then when you get it, put the letter in your desk for a day. Don't send it out. Put the letter in a desk for a day. Look at it the next day. And if you still feel exactly that way, then you send it. But most times, and that was my experience, most times – Twelve hours later, you look at it, and you've cooled down a little, and you're still Mm -hmm. honked off, but it's like, okay, this – I don't want – I don't like the tone. I don't like this. Nowadays, people don't have that that filter, especially with the Internet. There's not that that desk drawer to put Mm -hmm. things in. It's kind of like, boy, I've just told you what I think of you. How dare you say that Trump shouldn't be impeached? Boom, hit the send button, you know, and – it's, uh, but but again, I, I go back to this when when these people who are particularly in the public eye, like I say, this guy, five years, sixty-two million dollar contract. You know, that, that's a lot of. Oh now, yeah. Now maybe somebody will sign him. That that's the thing. I guess the question becomes: Is this as long as he can still play, and he apparently can? He's a Pro Bowl cornerback. You know, somebody will probably take a absolutely. chance on absolutely <laughs> right. So there, there's no, he's not going to be he's not going to be Colin Kaepernick. But interesting. um if you are an NFL team that's looking to bring in a cornerback in the last two games of the season, <laughs> this yeah. guy is this guy is on the market. Who happens to use questionable words in his tweets? Well, yeah. right, exactly. There there will be a distraction that's going on there. But again, it, it's that it's that whole thing of the the impulse control of a fruit fly. And I I mean maybe <laughs> well it is it, it's just he, he's he's mad he's mad at somebody. Who's probably sitting in his mom's basement in his boxer shorts? Who's like giving this guy static? I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, man, you're making sixty two million dollars a year. Just let it roll right. off your back. I mean, just you. laugh at these people all the way to the bank. You know, jump in your Mercedes. You know, right, you take can, a picture with your money. And well, ex- exactly. And then send that back <laughs> here. This is what I think. Instead of here, I'm gonna hey, you know, and using terms which are inappropriate. Anyways, that's the news from the NFL. that There's sixty two million dollar. Uh, over a five-year deal, quarter cornerback on the market today. New York says no. Hey, when we come back, I want to do a follow-up on something we talked about in the twelve o'clock hour of the program yesterday. Um it, the news and the story is becoming a little bit more public, and the more and more I think about it, the more and more convinced I am that I was right yesterday. We'll discuss. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> The first, I think, people that reported the story was, was Urban Milwaukee, which is a, a an internet site. It's a website that that covers, I think, pretty well. I, I I disagree with the take they have on a lot of stories, but I think that they do a good job of highlighting issues relating to the city of Milwaukee. That's where I first saw the story, and then last night I was watching the end of the football game. Um, the on and so I. I so I forget, after the football game, for some reason, I think I ended up on WI- Channel 12. I was watching Channel 12, and they had picked up this story, and they were sending the reporter around to different hotels, and it was, uh, again, with the, this bated breath as they were reporting this story. And the more I watch this, I guess the more infuriated I become that these hotels are getting static on this. If you haven't been following the story, there is a comfort inn. There's a hotel that's out on the northwest side of Milwaukee. It's kind of by Dretzka. It's, it's on Park Place, which is kind of by Dretzka Park, northwest side of the city. They The way this all starts is they want to put up a different sign in front of their hotel. The sign, again, I, they call it a monument sign, but they need a zoning change. Nobody has a problem with the sign so it goes through this common council committee and then it gets ready to go to the common council to be voted on it, it's just it's a sign nobody cares nobody has objection to that but when the issue comes up in front of the common council one of the aldermen on the common council objects to the sign um, her name is Shantia Lewis and, and she doesn't really object to the sign she objects to the hotel And here's what she says her story is. She says, well, look, I tried to check into this hotel with my family a while back because we were having power outage problems. And the hotel, once they found out where I lived, they wouldn't let me check in. At which point in time, you have all the usual suspects on the common council that decide, oh, what do you mean? This has gotta be this racist policy. This is terrible. This is, this is awful. And so what they do is they're now jerking around the hotel on the sign issue because, well, what, what's this, this policy? And then, of course, the website picks it up. Now the TV stations have picked it up. Well, the Comfort Inn at Park Place has a policy. That they do not allow people to check in. You can't rent a room there if you live within 30 miles of their location. It's a po- It's something that's posted on their website. It's their policy. And then Channel 12 goes out and they find that there's another comfort in down by the airport. And they've got the same policy. And, you know, they say, yeah, we, we've got this policy. You know, we don't cater to locals. And, you know, you, if you, you have to live, you know, outside of a 30 mile radius. We're by the airport. We're a travel hotel. Now, there's a couple reasons why these hotels have the policy. First of all, and and foremost, I I think they are, they're concerned with problems with somebody deciding, Hey, I want to have a party at the hotel. You know, that lives in the area. We're going to check into the room. We're going to bring all sorts of people over. We're going to use the pool, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Obviously, I think they've some of these hotels have had problems with that. So they, they they really want to be a hotel where people come and stay. They don't want to be hotels where people just come and use the rooms to party. The other reason for this, and let us be honest, some of the hotels are concerned about their rooms being rented by people who live in the area and used for criminal purposes, whether it's drug dealing, prostitution, etc. Now, there's all sorts of legitimate reasons why somebody who lives within a 30 mile radius of a hotel would want to check into the hotel. I mean, I was saying yesterday, uh, my old house in Whitefish Bay. Number of years ago, we were uh, doing some improvements, and it just for two weeks we got out of the house, just turned the house over to the to the construction workers. So we stayed at a hotel, kind of down the street. They didn't have this policy, but but, and we weren't criminals or anything like that. But at the same time, I understand where that policy comes from, and I guess I feel that it's the business's right. To do that. So, what happened is, you know, the, the media outlets, and this is fine, they want to play the game of gotcha. So, one of them calls up the hotel to see if they can rent a room, and they identify themselves as living in Mequon. And interestingly, the, the people at the hotel, the comfort suites out on Park Place, they say, no, it, it, Our our policy is 30 miles. So it's not just we're not renting to, you know, a black family from the inner city of Milwaukee. You can be calling us from Mequon. You can be calling us from Washington County. You can be calling us from Waukesha County. We don't care if you're white, black or brown. This this is our policy. We don't rent to locals. So now this has become this huge issue. I'm looking at stories on some of the TVs. Milwaukee hotel policy. Don't rent to Milwaukee residents. Well. It's also don't rent to Zaki County residents or Washington Res- County residents. Don't rent to people who live within 30 miles. It's happening at Comfort Suites, Milwaukee Park Place, at West Park Place, and North 107th Street. That's the screaming thing on Channel 12. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. All right. You, you can argue whether or not it's in the business interest of the hotel to have this particular policy. All right? But don't they have the right to do it? And and I guess the fact that these hotels are getting all sorts of static for a business policy decision they've made, the fact that there is this implication that these hotels are behaving in a racist fashion, I find that to be offensive. I guess I think this is a complete and total non-story, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, don't get me wrong. There's all sorts of hotels in the area that, that don't have this policy that you can go and, and, and rent a room at, but these hotels have decided whether it's they've had bad experiences with locals renting rooms or whether, hey, we're here at the airport, we want to cater to the business travelers. All right, don't they have the right to do that if they want. And if they've had problems, say, with prostitution or drug dealing or locals renting the room and having wild parties where they invite people in, it seems to me a blanket policy is much better and much easier to enforce than trying to distinguish between, oh, you want to stay here for a couple days because, I I don't know, you've got some power outages at your house versus – oh, you know, we have to decide why you want to be here. 414 1620 that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think these hotels have anything to apologize for, and to the extent that there's some TV stations that are trying to make this a big story, shame on them. Let's start with Chris in Cedarburg. Chris, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi. I've been on both ends of this. When I was younger, um, I've had friends who have rented hotel rooms for parties, and I would I would hate to be the hotel uh, or the management owners of a hotel motel that are professional, you know, lodging yeah. uh, that allowed, you know, uh, college kids or just people in general who plan on having a party. And then as an adult traveling, um, I've been in hotels where they've they've had parties um, unbeknownst to them, and it has been a madhouse. It has been disgusting. The pool is deplorable. The dishes, the food, the people. Yeah. So, you know, when you're traveling, you want to get a good night's sleep, and you got people running up and down. Yeah. You know, I mean. You know, no. The hotel is for sleeping and for eating and for resting, and you get up and you go on with your journey. That's what they're
1: for, right? They're and, and and it's a bit right, and it's a it's a reasonable business decision for a hotel to to make. Now, again, there's there's all sorts of hotels that don't have that policy. I respect that as well. But but this idea that well, they're not renting to people from the inner city of Milwaukee. No, they're not renting from people to people from a thirty mile radius. That's that's what the story is because they want to be a hotel for business travelers or for vacation vacationers or from people coming from outside the area right. and,
3: they've, and they've been burned too many times we've all stayed in a hotel where we're like why don't they just be quiet with the kids or, or young adults or whoever running up and down the hallways right and, and so so we've all we've all been there right so, you know, we're, just, we're just wise and the, the business owner should have the right to right. you know whether we reserve you
1: right. know Right. I mean, they're and I'm sure they're very I, look in, in some of the hotels that it's not just the parties. They have issue with people who rent the rooms and use it for criminal <laughs> purposes. We don't want hookers right. operating out of our hotel. You, know, it's, right. Right. you can't fold them. Hey, Chris, are you a golfer or do you know somebody who is a golfer? Yes I do. Okay, I'm gonna put you on hold. You win our twenty five dollar gift certificate to Sticks Golf in Germantown. Oh <laughs> it's 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 six simulators, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't been there, yeah, I really encourage you to try it. So and I'm gonna give you a twenty five dollar gift certificate to make it easier for you to do that, okay? All right. Merry Christmas. We're going to put you on hold, so hang on for just a minute, and Gru will get your information. We will continue to be giving out gift certificates as we move on through the holiday season. Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, you're on WTMJ.
5: Ah, Good afternoon. Hi, Chris. I worked in uh, hotel maintenance for 16 years, and I fully support the position that the hotel has on that. Um, Parties in hotel rooms, um, a regular occurrence was Damage to the room, damage mm-hmm. to, the, to the contents, holes in walls, um, disturbances to the other guests. You yep. know, these people come in and throw these parties. They have no regard for the folks who are here from another state visiting friends and they're trying to sleep. Um, you know, it's just right. if the hotel decides that we don't want to have locals in and they should have. You know
1: the right to do that, right? And as long as they enforce the policy consistently across the board, and that's what Comfort Suites is doing. They they state this policy on their website. Like I say, some of the media, when they've called and they've they said, "Well, we're from Mequon. No, we're not going to take you. It's not black, white, brown, green, blue. It's if you live within 30 miles. Sorry, go find someplace else to stay." Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to your point, Chris, I know that, look, I'm not suggesting that everybody who, you know, comes and throws a wild party, I'm not saying that just just because you come from out of town doesn't mean you're not necessarily going to have a wild party. But my guess is it's a lot less likely to occur if you've got some business traveler or something who's flying in than if you have somebody who says, hey, let's go have a party and use the pool and invite all our friends over.
2: Yeah.
1: And good luck cleaning up after all that. <laughs> um, Got No. Th- no. Absolutely. Thanks for calling. I just and look. I, I don't own stock and comfort in. I don't know the people that run it. I just think that this is a very very unfair story to the extent that it's there's an implication that this business is racist or anything like that. This is a policy that, as near as I can tell, they apply it across the board. It's a policy that makes sense to me, or at least is within I, I, the realm of reasonableness. And the fact that the Common Council would jerk them around on a sign because of this, shame on every one of those members of the Milwaukee Common Council. You wonder why people don't want to do business in this city. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Just swamped with texts on that last topic, and it, it does it, it. You almost wonder why Tom Barrett wants to still continue being the mayor of Milwaukee, other than the, the salary. It just you you look you you look at the goofs. And the goofy things that they end up doing, I mean, here you have a a hotel that wants wants a sign to help it do more business. You get some older woman who's hacked off, got her own little personal grievance because she doesn't like this policy that they have. And so what do you mean you don't rent to people who live in Milwaukee? Well, they don't rent to anybody who lives within 30 miles. But, of course... She decides to say, "Okay, that this has got to be a racist sort of thing. It's directed at me. No, it, it's it's directed everywhere." And then you get a couple of the other goofballs on the Common Council who then decide, "Oh, well, this this is our chance to I don't know make some story or something." And so you don't let the hotel put its sign up because of a perfectly legal policy. I mean, shame on them. It, I'm just I was looking back. They're still trying to talk about whether there's any way to resurrect this the, the meatpacking place Strauss Brands out of Frank. Franklin, who wanted to build this multimillion-dollar facility, you know, in in Century City, which is on Capitol Drive down here. The the place has been a moonscape for years. They've been desperately trying to get businesses in. Finally, they land this meatpacking place, and then you have a bunch of the goofballs on the Common Council, including the aldermen from the area, who decide, Oh okay well maybe this isn't a good thing maybe we you know we we don't want to have a meat packing plant here without even Taking the time to like go out and look at the place in Franklin, which I mean, it's not like the Upton Sinclair slaughterhouses of the ni- of 1910. I mean, it's it's a modern facility. You wouldn't even know you wouldn't know that this meatpacking plant was any different from, for example, the facility that makes auto springs that I was at earlier this morning for the Capco Kids the Kids Christmas thing. But then you get the alderman who decides I'm not going to support this because, well, essentially, a number of his constituents don't. Have have a clue. And so they make a little bit of noise. And so instead of educating them that we're going to bring in all these jobs for this area, you know, the, the, the company just says, okay, look, we're not, we're, we, we don't need to deal with this. We're, we're, we're just not going to locate there. And so the moonscape continues. You just, this is what passes for leadership in the city of Milwaukee. And and it's why as long as you have the, these petty parochial folks that are making these decisions it's why there's always going to be issues with jobs and i understand there's all sorts of great development going on downtown but there's been very very little spillover to areas outside the immediate downtown area and and that's that's going to keep going until i don't know until there's a complete turnover or something on the common council and i don't know that you're going to see that anytime soon all right yesterday was a big day in Great Britain. Now, let's back up, and let me talk a little bit about Brexit for just a minute. And I understand when we talk about foreign issues, especially that don't involve the United States going to war or something like that, people's eyes glaze over. But this is a really, really interesting story. There are a number of countries that are part of what's called the European Union got together a number of years ago, and the function of the European Union, that's where like the euro currency came from. And, you know, euros would be acceptable, so you didn't have to worry about, you know, converting currency um, every time you go into a different country. So you, you had the euro. Once you come into one European country, You can then move to other countries without having to show your passport and things like that. For example, when we did our river cruise, uh, last year, okay, you you come in, we fly into Germany, and then once you get into Germany, okay, we were in Austria for a while, we were in France for a while, but you, you don't have to stop and show your passport. Once you're a member, once you're in a European Union country, you can move back and forth. And it's facilitated The the flow of goods and services, trade, it's made it easier. Uh, But two years ago, the Great Britain in a very very controversial vote that surprised a lot of people they the, the voters decide they want out of the European Union that's the, that's what brexit is so the problem becomes all right if you want to if you want to get out of the European Union how do we do it because if you suddenly say okay we're not going to be a member anymore what does that do for what does that do for trade does that mean that every time somebody wants to ship something in from Ireland, you know, you're going to have to run it through customs. All, it, it raises all these issues. And Great Britain has been really torn apart for the last two years trying to figure out the, the whole thing with Brexit. It's cost two British prime ministers their job. They've resigned because they haven't been able to, to, to make this work. So the current prime minister of Great Britain is a guy named Boris Johnson, who is Great Britain's version of Donald Trump. Former mayor of London, kind of this out there guy, makes all these big, you know, um, big statements. He's kind of got an aggressive, take no prisoners personality. And, and he's a big Brexit guy. Well, there's a lot of people in Great Britain who were thinking, okay, maybe Brexit is a mistake. And what we need to do is have another referendum. So what, what Boris Johnson did in Great Britain, unlike the United States, where the, the elections are set. In Great Britain, you, you can't, I believe, serve more than six years as the prime minister, but, but there are ability. You have the ability to call national elections at, at various times. And, and Boris Johnson, who is a conservative, kind of a populist part of the Tory party, he got frustrated and they decided, look, you know, we're, we're not getting stuff done. And what we need to do is we need to have a new election and let, let's let make kind of Brexit the issue. And let's see how this all flies, because the conservatives didn't have enough seats in Parliament to kind of ram through a, a, a Brexit deal. So he called this election. The polls for the last couple days have been saying the election is this close. Nobody knows how it's going to turn out. Well, the pollsters, they got it wrong. Because yesterday, Britain voted, Great Britain voted. And again, they it's not like here where you directly elect a president. What happens is they have a parliament, and you, you elect... Your individual representative to parliament, you elect your individual congressman, for example, and then the congressmen get together and they choose who, in this case, the prime minister would be. So what happened was the party of Boris Johnson, the Tories, the conservatives, they all these election polls were like, well, we don't don't know what it's going to be. They they won. It's they won three hundred and sixty four seats in the parliament. Just one seat left to be decided. That's the biggest win for the party since 1987, when Margaret Thatcher was was re-elected. The... They won 79 more seats than all the other parties combined. And there's a lot of, quote-unquote, third parties in Great Britain. There's the the conservatives, there's the liberal party, and then there's all these other kind of spin-off smaller parties. The conservatives, they won all – it was just a landslide. They won traditional labor seats like former Prime Minister Tony Blair, you know, liberal. The conservatives picked up his seat. That that seat had been held by liberals since 1931. Um, the Labor Party, which is the Liberal Party, they won 203 seats, which is the smallest total since 1935. So it was a resounding victory. Now you have this overwhelming majority of conservatives that are going to run parliament, and it, it pretty much means that Brexit, there, there, there's nothing stopping this now. There's an overwhelming majority, and, and what's going to happen is, it will go through in the next month or two, and, and the voters have spoken. What is interesting to me, and why I, I spend 10 minutes on this, is there were a lot of people who were saying this election is going to be a harbinger for what's going to happen in America in 2020. In like I say, Boris Johnson, the, the leader of the conservative party, very, very Trump-like in, in many ways, in many respects. Now, they're not clones of each other, but it's the same sort of populist type of thing. And the argument, and I was reading a lot of stuff that was coming out of the United Kingdom, and and what they were saying is, hey, this is this is going to be a repudiation of Trump. People in Great Britain don't like Donald Trump, and, and Boris Johnson's that's their version of Donald Trump and he's a blowhard and he's a a nationalist and he's a populist and you know we don't want that well as it turns out they did they voted overwhelmingly to keep Boris Johnson as the prime minister and they've given him a mandate now again I, I don't know if there's going to be a parallel 10 months from now but all the arguments that you were hearing in a lot of the publications Against Boris Johnson being reelected or uh, being reelected, yeah, are the same sort of arguments you've been hearing about Donald Trump. Now, I understand Great Britain it's a different dynamic. I understand you've got Brexit. You've got all these different things. But for everybody who thought that this kind of populist movement as embodied by Donald Trump or by Boris Johnson, if you thought this was over, well, well, no. Like I say, landslide win, an historic win, an epic win for the Conservatives in Great Britain, and you know President Trump is looking at that today and saying, "Okay, I mean this tells me that maybe, despite what the mainstream media says and despite what the columnists say, given the fact that you've got this roaring economy—at least roaring right now—all sorts of stuff can happen over the next ten months. You've got this roaring economy." And you've got, uh, again, people who are obviously, at least in Great Britain, responding to this populist kind of message I, you gotta look at that and think it bodes well for re-election efforts. Now, again, you can try to read too much into tea leaves, and a lot can happen in 10 months. But this, this surprised a lot of people. A lot of pollsters, again, got it really, really wrong, because all the pre-election polls said, well, you know, we think Boris Johnson's probably gonna win, but we're, we're not sure he's gonna pick up many seats. Landslide victory. So the pollsters missed it. And I I think, like I say, the Trump administration's got to be looking at this and saying, well, if there is a parallel, it's, it's a good parallel for America next November. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff
0: Wagner on WTMJ.
1: during yesterday's show we we talked about the story involving the 64 mile police chase and it was it was all over the news last night there was a guy who was accused of shoplifting or they, they got in a tip out in Waukesha that he was going to be shoplifting from a coal store. So the police go up to investigate. And I, I, I now, I've i now had an opportunity to see the video. They try to pull the guy out, ask the guy to step out of his car. He won't. A struggle ensues. I think they try to tase him. What he does is he throws his car in reverse. He runs over one police officer. He strikes another police officer with, the open, with his open door. And then he drives off at a high rate of speed. They they lose him for a while, but they report the description of the car. Uh, um, they see him, the police find the car somewhere on the south side, I think, you know, two nights ago, about nine thirty. They try to they try to chase the car. He then takes off 64-mile police chase before ultimately West Dallas authorities, I think, deploy stop sticks and his car crashes and they end up catching him. We had a caller yesterday from law enforcement who said, you know, Um, since Milwaukee changed its policy to allow people to to chase, said, I I think it's my experience is that we all think it's getting better because the word is starting to get out to the bad guys that, hey, if you try to run from us, we're not going to just let you drive off like we always used to do in the past. And and just think about how insane that system was that they had in the city of Milwaukee that you could blow by a police officer, run through a red light at 95 miles an hour, and, and they wouldn't chase you if you didn't stop. You could be dealing heroin out of your car and or your van or your SUV or whatever, and the police would go to try to bust you and you could drive off and they wouldn't catch you. I mean, that that's that's the policy that Tom Barrett and Ed Flynn had for a while. But anyhow, the, the caller was saying, we, we think the message is getting out and that maybe more people are recognizing this. And I hope that's the case. But then again, you you have, you know, the stories that are out there. Here's the way Fox 6 reports it. A police pursuit ended in a crash near Lake Drive and Hampshire Street in Milwaukee Early, this would be Thursday morning, pursuits reached 100 miles an hour and lasted approximately 5.3 miles. This case, the driver remains at large. Sheriff's Office says a sheriff's deputy was conducting a security patrol about 2 a.m. around 8th and North, observed an operator of a white SUV driving over the median on 8th Street huh, and striking a road sign. The deputy activated his emergency lights to initiate a traffic stop. The operator of the white SUV fled entered northbound I-43 at North Avenue. They then pursued the guy swerving all over his lanes as he increased his speed to 100 miles an hour, got off the freeway at Capitol Drive, continued east at about 70 miles an hour, which would be right in front of where I am sitting now. The operator of the white SUV lost control of the vehicle, crashed into a tree on the west side of Lake Drive So they got all the way to the lake. The operator of the SUV exited the vehicle, fled on foot through neighboring yards. He remains at large. So they're still looking for him. But I guess to the extent that we hope that some of the criminal element in the yahoos around here are getting the message that don't run because the police will chase you. Well, maybe some are. But it's apparent we need to do a lot better job of informing people of that. And it's also apparent to me that when we catch the people who engage in high fleeing from the police at high rates of speed, we stop treating this like it is a video game and no big deal i have no doubt that they're probably going to catch this guy i mean they know the vehicle that was involved it's a miracle you smash into a a tree at sixty seventy miles an hour after leading police on a hundred mile an hour uh, chase you know it's a miracle that you can walk away from this but apparently the guy not only walked away he was able to run away but they've got the car they're going to catch him when they catch him, when he is prosecuted, I hope this is in a situation where some Milwaukee County judge decides, oh, I'm going to feel out. Okay, this is this is no big deal. Nobody got hurt in the chase, so you ran from the cops. Big deal. No, you run from the cops in this particular fashion. You should be going to prison for at least five years, period. Don't pass go. Don't collect 200 bucks. Go right to prison. Right? Is that too much to ask for? And so, yeah, it's great that the word is getting out, don't run. But when people run, we've got to hold them accountable. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: So, Eric Bilstadt, you're going to be out of here soon because you you're doing Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Yeah. Right? you Bavarian Beer House in Glendale. Got to get down the road there. Up the road, I should say. Which just Up happens to be right on my way home. <laughs> so, I, we, we've got a kind of a dinner extravaganza tonight but i have time to stop by oh, for 15 right, minutes have a beer and stuff say hi we encourage everybody to do that you yeah, and yes. uh, debbie right because Greg's mm-hmm. off today as well that's right me and debbie we love wisconsin tour outstanding so stop by in glendale bavarian beer house wonderful place um you know, every I mean, I go there a lot, but right behind it is where they have German Fest. Oh yeah, the, I've the been October, there. Fe- o- October 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 Fe- Fest. Sorry, I know German what you mean. Fest. Yeah, we just we just uh, absolutely love it. So we'll stop by and see him a little great. bit. Yeah, Eric's had one of those weeks, so stop by. And you can't. <laughs> you, you, he's working, so you can't buy him a beer, but you can. Like I'll drink a beer in front of him and <laughs> right, stuff. Right. I'll 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 toast. I'll him. live vicariously through you. This is. I, I this happened a couple weeks ago, but it's it's actually it's. It's my favorite story of the week. It's one of these feel-good stories. And Grew, who is a beer lover, you you will you'll love it. I guess I saw this. I didn't focus on it until my dear friend Evan, who's going to be featured on our Christmas show this year, sent me this note. Because um, Evan's my wing guy when it comes to bourbon and beers and stuff. It's the story of a guy named from Appleton named Norbert Shem. You didn't happen to see this, did you, Grew? No, you're shaking your head. Okay, here's the deal. He 87 years old. He he passed away about two weeks ago, he was in the hospital stage four colon cancer. All right. His dying wish was to have one last beer with his boys. And so what happened is apparently, um, they, they got him, the family gathered at the hospital because they kind of understood where this was going. He was, he was still conscious, hadn't slipped into a coma or anything. The family gathered, his three sons gathered together, um, And there's this great picture. It features his wife. The two of them have been married for 65 years. How cool is that? They've been married for 65 years. And his three sons, and I'm looking at this now. Matter of fact, I'm going to send this out on Twitter. It just, they're they're gathered around, if you haven't seen it, they're gathered around his hospital bed. And... um, they're they're they sharing a couple bottles of Bud Light <laughs> with with their dad. That that's that's it. And then he he subsequently you know passed away. And they sent it. Um, so it's it sons, it's grandsons. Um, it, it's just it, it, tremendous. And I, I just it it, just, it kind of warms your heart because I I remember I, I've spent over the last ten years I've spent more time in um, hospices or in hospital rooms than I I. Choose to, and I'm I'm hoping, for example, that that doesn't repeat itself for the next ten years. But you you see people from time to time who are in like a hospice or something, and and they're by themselves, and it's um, it's just it's so nice and it's heartwarming and it's it's sad. It's it's just a very sad thing when somebody passes on. But in this particular case, that the guy's dying wish was he wanted all his sons around him, and they wanted that he's there. He's holding his hands with his wife, and they're all having a beer. And it's just um, like I say, it's just it, it's it, it's heartwarming. You, you hate to, to see somebody pass away, but he was eighty-seven years old, so that's an inevitable thing. But he got to go out on his terms. I mean, for me, it's kind of like I you know you, you you save all this money and all, and I guess for me. And, and I say this to anybody who thinks that they 're going to like get anything out of the trust or something like that, my plan my plan is to spend it all right before I go my 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 hope is you know I want to buy the world a beer right before I go that that's that 's the thing so if anybody 's in the trust and they think there 's going to be a lot left when I finally leave this earth, hopefully it won 't be for decades from now nah because that 's not kind of what my plan is, but for Norbert Schemm... Um, I just what what a great what a great story he got to go out on his terms. All right, when we come back, all right. There's a story involving this, this blue ribbon task force commission that's just come out with a report, and you, you kind of look at this and say, "We waited months for this." I'll explain in just a minute. Stick around, Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Ah! If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I just sent out a link to this story, and, and maybe you've seen it, but it's it's gone viral. Um, this is the again, it's the, the story of, of Norbert Shem who passed was dying, stage four colon cancer, and his 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 final wish was he wanted to be surrounded by his three sons and his wife and have a have a beer, and he he did it. It's just one last beer with his sons. It's an absolutely tremendous story. So if if you want to see a link to it, follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. In addition. We've got a couple pictures from where I was this morning. We were uh, out with the Capco Kids to Kids Christmas sleigh, which is actually, we call it the sleigh. It's really a big truck. And what they do is they they take the truck and they go to various locations and they pick up toys that people have collected. We were at at Exacto Springs in Grafton where um, they've got about 175 employees. They make make springs. It's exactly what it, it says. And um, I, I was there with the owner and Rudolph, and there's a picture. We picked up a whole bunch of toys that the the workers there had brought, and I talked to a number of workers who are regular listeners of this program. I appreciate that. There's a picture of me and the owner and Rudolph. We're at uh, Exacto Springs. And then then we went over to Woodview Elementary, and I uh, We've got a picture posted of me with the the student council. This is these are fifth graders. We're <clears> at <throat> the student council, and they had collected a couple hundred toys again for the Capco Kids, the Kids Christmas Xmas thing. And I, I was doing a call in. Matter of fact, this picture taken by my wife. I didn't even know she was taking the picture. It, it's immediately before I'm doing this call-in during scafiti show, and we, the, the, I told the kids, "Okay, I want you to shout once I give you the cue. I, I want you to shout and just just cheer and all. And like one of the ones, the, the, the kids say the darndest things. One of the kids was saying, "Okay, well, what's the cue going to be?" And I said, "Okay, it's going to be when I, I point to you." So I come on, I, I do my thing, I point to them, they all scream, and, and one of the kids yells, "Hi, mom!" You know, said, they're all cheering, "Hey, hi, mom!" kind of cracked me up. but that's, that's the picture of that. Again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. and then we've also got the, uh, the story of Norbert Shem. Uh, it is a great story. Stay along, Mr. Shem, and certainly, God bless. All right, there We will talk more in more detail about this as, as the story winds down. But the Milwaukee Public School system, MPS wants to jump on the referendum bandwagon. Right? They, they, the last time they tried to do a school spending referendum was a number of years ago. It it crashed and burned. Got shot down overwhelmingly. They want, they want more money. And so there, there, there will be a school spending referendum that's on the ballot in, in April. Right? There, there will be that. The problem is they want so much money, or at least their wish list is so much money that there's no way in God's green earth that the thing passes, and, and they've been trying to like like lay the seeds. There were a couple stories on TV where you got some people from the teachers union and stuff are going around saying, "Well, we've done all these polls that that say that you know people would support a referendum." Well, maybe, maybe not, but but the devil is is in the details. Here, here's the deal: when MPS officials and we went through these numbers a little while ago, and I just just bear with me because if you live in the city of Milwaukee. I don't understand any way that anybody would vote for something along these lines. But but here's the deal: MPS goes to the school board and they say, "Okay, we, we've got a here, here. We've got a couple of scenarios for this. We have one. What we really want is our gold standard education. We want a referendum for an additional six hundred and forty million dollars a year. But if you don't give us that," 319 million dollars a year now here's here's the deal for this because the the taxpayers end up paying for this so here's the deal um if you if you went for the the gold standard all right for a home assessed at 300,000 bucks your property tax bills for the school portion, not for the rest of it, the school portion, would go from $2,874 to 40, okay, on the low end, if you got the cheap version, I'm sorry, if you got the 319 million, your property taxes, if you had a house worth 300,000, would go from $2,800 to 4,700. It would increase by almost $2,000. If they went for the gold standard plan, the property tax would your portion of your property tax for the schools would go from 28 to 6,700, almost $4,000 more per year, increases of between 64 to 134 percent. And again, that's just for the school property tax um, version. If you had a lower priced home, if your home was worth, say, 150000 your school taxes would rise um, from 1400 bucks to either 23 or $3,300. We are talking about massive, massive property tax increases. If you live on a fixed income in the city of Milwaukee, I don't know where you're coming up with this money. If you're, again, a, a lower income taxpayer in the city of Milwaukee, I have no idea where you're coming up with this money. So the, this is the, the, what they want. The, these enormous amounts of money would have a huge impact on the property taxes people pay. We're not talking about a couple bucks here and there. We're not talking about $100. We're not talking about $200. We're talking about thousands and potentially thousands of dollars. Well, that's what they want. At the same time, there is this political reality that even though school spending referendums pass a lot... Uh, this is, first of all, it's MPS, and there's a lot of people who just think that throwing more money at MPS isn't going to make any difference. And it doesn't matter whether you throw a little more money or whether you throw a lot more money at it. So they have this MPS referendum task force. It's like 32 people from the community, you know, members of business, so-called civic leaders, etc., etc., And they've been studying the whole referendum issue. All right. Well, they have just come out with a recommendation and the recommendation is yes we think mps should go for a referendum okay do it do it in april because that's going to be the day of the presidential primary there'll be high turnout and there'll be perhaps a higher because you got the democratic presidential primary on the ballot maybe there'll be a higher turnout of liberal voters so it'll be more likely to pass okay so that that's all the thinking they say they want a referendum okay that's fine here is the dazzling detail. After months and months of study, this 32-member, blue-ribbon panel, civic leaders, business leaders, you know what they didn't do? They didn't recommend an amount. <laughs> they, they, they said, oh, well, we'd like a referendum, but we're not going to say what we think the amount should be. One of the, the people on the boards quoted is saying, well, people on the school board are intelligent people. <clears throat> they can figure out the amount without us micromanaging the specifics. We're simply making a recommendation. The, okay, this is what you wait months for? This is completely and totally useless. All right, yes, they, they want to have a referendum, fine. But it the amount makes a big difference. If MPS seriously wants to increase the school portion of people's property taxes by two three four thousand dollars a year that is a complete and total I think non-starter on the other hand if you're talking about something modest that okay you're, you're gonna have to pay a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars more that that's something that, that you could sell it seems to me it is it's just completely disappointing and futile, though, to have this task force that then completely punts on the whole question of how much is the referendum going to be, because it's the amount of the referendum that's going to decide whether or not it is reasonable or not. Like I say, if they're asking for something that's going to increase your property tax bill by $100 or $200, it's one thing. If they seriously want to take your property tax, the school portion, from 2800 to $6,700 all right, well, explain to me how you are going to sell that to the taxpayers in the city of Milwaukee. How are you going to sell it to senior citizens living on a fixed income? How are you going to sell it to young people just starting out? And to to recommend a, salar- a referendum and a spending increase without having the guts to come out and say, this is what we think the number should be, this is what we think is reasonable, this is a reasonable request and we think that maybe this is politically palatable and we're going to get behind it we're going to try to sell it to just simply say well let's have a referendum but we don't want to say how much money what a what a useless commission I mean seriously what a useless task force if you're not willing to take a stand and say this is what we think the dollar amount should be and this is what we're willing to defend because in this case the devil is in the details and the details are pretty darn important are you going to raise people's property taxes by 2000, by 4000 or by 200? And if it's 2000 or 4000, well, okay, expect a different reaction than if it's 100 or 200. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the
1: show. And now here is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Yeah, this is the final Pop Culture Corner of 2019. Um, I have some vacation I'm going to be using. I think next Wednesday is my last day, and then I'll be off till January 2nd. I figure if the folks at Good Karma are kind enough to give me some vacation, it would be rude not to use that vacation. It would also be dumb not to use that vacation. So next Wednesday is my final day uh, until uh, January 2nd, whatever that day is, that Thursday. I'll be back then but this is the last friday show of 2019 which means it's the last pop culture corner show of 2019 and i was trying to i was trying to think of something special and something particularly fun over the course of the next couple weeks so jeff what do you do when when you're off We're, we're not going anywhere we're not taking any trips as far as as far as i know that's always subject to change every once in a while the lovely fran might say hey i really want to do this but as it stands now we're going to be around i'm figuring okay i'm going to spend some time you know spending some more time working out at the gym and i've got a couple books that i've been wanting to read but i'm a multitasker and and I think if if you know nothing about me one of the things you've learned about listening to the radio show is is I just absolutely love movies. And I like watching new movies. Matter of fact, my plan is during the break, want to go um see the Mr. Rogers movie, I want to see the Richard Jewell movie that opens tonight, the Clint Eastwood one, the Star Wars movie is coming out. I mean that those are three that are on my list and that I hope to be able to see maybe in matinee's or something like that. But I, I like to see new movies, but I also well this is a little trait that my wife has now figured out after being with me for a couple years. i I, I like to watch movies over and over again. Now, there's some people that once you've seen a film, once you've seen the show, it's like, well, why would I watch it again? I, I know what happens. I'm not that guy. There are movies that I can watch over and over and over again. And maybe, I don't know why, maybe it's just because I like the story, maybe it's because a lot of times I'll see things in movies that I, I didn't see before, um, and so I can watch movies over and over again. And my wife has already figured this out, because she'll walk into the living room or the den or wherever I've got a particular movie on, and she'll say, didn't you just have this movie on like three days ago? And I'll say, Yeah. And she said, but, but you watched it three days ago, and now you're watching it again. I said, yeah. And have you seen it before? Well, yeah. Well, how many times? Well, I don't know. Maybe a dozen, maybe 20 times. I don't know. You know, it's just you, you watch the movies over and over again. Now, I understand that that might be a little bit odd, but I don't think it's that odd, because my guess is we all have some of those films. So... Pop Culture Corner, our final one for 2019. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's do it from the world of movies. Here is my question. The topic is, it never gets old. That movie, and it could be from any genre, but that movie that for you never gets old. Could be a comedy, could be a drama, could be a documentary, could be a musical, but it doesn't no matter how many times you see it, you watch it. And it's one of those things if you're channel surfing up and down the cable things, oh my gosh, this movie's on. Well, I never get tired of this. I'm going to watch it again. The movie that never gets old. 414-799-1620. That's the accident Mortgage talk and text line. As I always advise people during these segments, uh, call in quickly because our phone lines tend to jam up. And don't overthink. Just kind of go with your first instinct. Sometimes people say, well, that's the movie I thought of. But, but boy, maybe I'd sound dumb if I'd say that. No, there there are no dumb answers. 414 well, maybe, but... But I don't think we're going to get any today. 414-799-1620. It never gets old. The film, you never, ever, ever get tired of watching. We discuss in just a moment. Crew is lining up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620 is our number, at least until Monday. This is Jeff Wagner's
0: Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner.
1: 414-799-1620. All right. You just, you never get tired of it. Let's start with Dennis in West Allis. Dennis, what's that movie for you?
2: Jeff, you know, in recent years, I've been drawn to movies that are based on true stories. The movie that I really like lately is Molly's Game.
1: Okay. Okay, I didn't see it in the theaters, but I've seen it on Showtime. You know, once or twice. I I I've, I watched it in pieces, but I've seen the whole thing. It's very well done. It's a ba- it's real life about the gal who got busted for running a high stakes poker game.
2: I think that, but the first to me, the best part is. The first five minutes of the film when she's talking about her skiing exploits right? and has her accident.
1: Right. No, it, you know, exactly. The Molly's game, it, it, it's it's acute. It's a more current type of thing. Um, and you're right. It's based on a true story. Joan in Waukesha. Joan, what's the movie you never get tired of?
3: Well, Jeff, this is a movie I put in when I'm stuck in the kitchen for either canning or jamming. And it's <laughs> Gone with the
1: whim. Okay. Canning and Never jamming I, I assume that means what you're doing is you're like like putting foodstuffs in things as opposed to like some dance or something like that, right?
3: that's very funny have a great
1: time on your vacation thanks thanks well i'm picturing joan jamming in the kitchen to go on with the wind okay no she means she's putting jam in jars i got that 414-799-1620 all right the movie that you never ever ever get tired of mike in menominee falls mike you're on wtmj
2: yeah, my movie is uh, Meet Joe Black. I mean, Anthony
1: I, and, Hopkins and, and uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah,
2: Brad Pitt and I. I oh, I know. Oh, finally, I thought about. They also have another one that you call Legend of the Falls, but
5: I mean, Meet Joe Black is the one. That right. I, it's 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 just I really like that one. You know, Death no, takes a
1: holiday. Well, it is. I mean, right? Death takes a holiday, and it's it's. You know, it, it's it's a it's one of these things. that's extremely thought provoking. I mean, I like it a lot. Matter of fact, last night for the first time, I, I saw the the new Brad Pitt movie, the Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It came out in Blu-ray, and I finally got it and I watched it. I, I did. I, I liked it. I'm not sure I loved it. Uh, but it's one where. I watched it in pieces. I really need to carve out two and a half hours and sit down and watch it, you know, end to end. And I'll do that over the uh, break. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. It never gets old. Craig in Milwaukee. Craig, you're on WTMJ. Hi,
4: Jeff. Hi, Craig. Uh, my movie is The Searchers.
1: Oh, John Wayne, one of the uh, – John Ford, John Wayne, one of the great Westerns, maybe the greatest Western of all time.
4: You're in a perfect agreement with me. Every time I get a chance, I throw the DVD in.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it John Wayne, I mean, for everybody who thought that John Wayne couldn't act or it was like a one-dimensional sort of thing, he's, that's, it's an incredible performance that he gives in, in The Searchers. It, it's, it's not, it, it's the John Wayne cowboy character, but with a real twist on it.
2: Yeah, and uh, like you said, he shows a lot of depth in that, and the cinematography, as always, is just marvelous.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you. John, John Ford, who's the director, just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and it's the last shot where you see kind of like John Wayne at the doorstep. It, it's it, it's an amazing movie. Maybe, maybe, maybe my all-time favorite Western. I'd have to think about that, but certainly it's in the top three or four. 414-799-1620. Laurie in Greenfield. Laurie, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
3: Hello. My, my favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life with Donna Reed and Jimmy Stewart.
1: Okay. Um, well, you're, you've picked the right time of the year for, for that because you can find that all sorts of places right now.
3: It's because of the memories I've had with my mom and my dad.
1: Okay. Like watching it with them?
3: Watching it with
1: him and Jimmy Stewart, are you mind me being my dad? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. cool. Well, it's, and thanks for, I mean, I, I, again, what, what can you say about what, It's a Wonderful Life? It's, it's one of these movies that's timeless. My concern with It's a Wonderful Life a few years ago is it went out, it, it's what called, it, it, it came onto the pub, into the public domain, which meant that anybody could show it without paying copyright fees. The copyright had expired. And, and so, you know, you'd see it, 8, 10, 15 times a day, and I was afraid it was going to get overexposed. That's now changed. It's still copyright protected, so so now you, you don't see it as often. It's interesting that they have um, a couple – Marcus Movie Theaters are bringing back some of the, the old pictures for Christmas, and I know that's one of the ones that will be shown – it's either being shown now or now or, or will be shown soon or has been shown last week on some of the movie theaters. But the, I, I'd love to see it on a big screen. Let's talk to Mary in Oconomowoc. Mary, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi, Jeff. Hi, I Mary. love your show. Thank you very um, much. My favorite movie of all time, and I will watch it, is Winter Spring. You there, Mary? But I'm kind of quirky.
1: Okay. What, what say? Your phone dropped out. What, what's the movie? Oh.
3: Oh, Elf, and I could watch it in the summer. I could watch it anytime. When I'm blue or down or the weather's bad, I just pop it in. And I don't know. I don't even like the main character in there. You know, I mean, I don't like the the actor, right? Uh, like, Will Ferrell. Um, Will Ferrell. Thank you. Right? Yeah. I'm not a fan of his. I'm really not. But I just love that movie, and it's just so uplifting. And I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm quirky. I
1: don't well, know. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with being quirky. Okay, you know what, Mary? You have inspired me to do. I've. I've never really been a huge fan of elf but I but I I, I confess that I, I'm I didn't see it in the theaters and I'm not sure I've ever watched it from beginning to end but during this time off I've got coming up with over the holidays I, I'm gonna think of you and I'm gonna fire up elf and I'm gonna give it another chance okay
3: well you know Marcus theaters has elf playing
1: too at some of their theaters okay
3: so, so
1: maybe that, you well, can catch it <laughs> yeah, okay that, that, for five bucks or whatever thanks for on a big screen okay I, but i but i promise one way or the other i'm going to give elf another chance um you it just never gets old eric in kenosha eric you're on wtmj hello good morning how, I, how are you i'm well thank you eric it never gets old what movie is uh, that for you
2: Blazing Saddles is one of the funniest movies I ever saw. So.
1: You, you, you know, you could not make that movie today. You know, Mel, Mel Brooks no, could not absolutely. get away with any of that stuff that's in that movie. It's just, it is the height of political correctness, you know, political incorrectness. You, but it's, it's funny as heck.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I love it so much. I, every time, there's actually two versions of it: one that they made for television, and one on the DVD.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I remember. Thanks. I mean, I see it's funny how films transport you. I remember seeing that movie. I saw it on the big screen out at Brookfield Square Cinemas. There were movies out of Brookfield Square. This is how long, whenever it came out. And my f- dear friend who passed away a couple of years ago, John Shepke, we, we saw that movie together and we just. We just laughed and laughed and laughed. So I actually, whenever I think of Blazing Saddles, I think of my buddy John, who died a couple of years ago from uh, a bout with cancer. Four one, which is a terrible disease. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Bob in Cedarburg. Bob, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hi Jeff. Hi, Bob. I have two movies, and um, I have to tell you, they're both equal with me. Um, the first
5: one I watch every Thanksgiving and a few other times throughout the year, planes, trains, and automobiles.
1: <laughs> How about them bears?
5: Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it reminds me of my travel days. I'm an old guy, and I used to travel a lot, and uh, it's just so funny. And the other one is Christmas Story, which I watch right. every Christmas because it reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> and, again, I watch it frequently
1: yeah you know? that that's i mean thank, christmas story is definitely one of those types of movies and now now i don't watch it other than you know, When they, when they show it christmas eve through christmas day i will watch it one time through completely and then i'll watch like segments of it as well typically it's you know after we're done with being with our our families on christmas eve and maybe you've gone to like the late night church thing and you're sitting back and you've got the christmas tree lit that's that's when maybe i'll sit down with a drink and kind of watch christmas story but i love it Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. you never get tired of this let's talk to diane in brookfield hi diane
3: Hi, how are you?
1: I am well, thank you. Okay, the movie you never get tired of.
3: The Big Chill.
1: Oh, oh, I I love that film. I mean, I... Oh my
3: I, God. I, it's just my favorite movie of all time. Everything about it is relatable. The music is fantastic, the plots everything then i i'm a trivia expert on the background of
1: that movie as well okay well you know i mean kevin klein well there's just so many so many greats are glenn close and kevin klein and you know the list goes on and on now thank thanks for calling you know in the big chill that's a that's one where again it's it's the music i was i was doing an interview they're going to do something in the local newspaper for the travel section and, and they, they asked me, I'm I'm participating in it, and they were asking me about songs you listen to when you're on the road and all. I don't want to give it away too much, but actually I was actually thinking of a scene from The Big Chill when I was answering some of the questions that the uh, writer was asking. Okay, you never get tired of it. Let's talk to Lori in Brookfield. Hi, Lori, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, yes,
2: yeah, so, uh, our family movie is, every year that we watch for our own Christmas, is A Family Man. And that's um, Nicolas Cage and
1: T. Leone. You know, I, I this doesn't happen to me. This almost never happens to me on on this segment. I don't. I've never. Not only have I never seen it, I don't think I've ever even heard of it.
2: Oh, well, yeah, you have to watch it.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm just pulled it up on the computer. It goes back two thousand, so it's about twenty years old. Okay, what's it about?
2: Uh, well, it's, um Nicholas Cage, maybe this rich guy, then an angel came down, you know. Okay. All into material stuff, but he forgot that, you know. Okay. Uh, something happened, he went back, you know, he had a family, he woke up, okay. and all of a sudden he's got kids. Okay. It, it's really, really cool. I know you'll like
1: it. Okay, well, on, if it's your, Lori, if it is your, I, I never get tired of it. I tell you what, I'm going to put, I'm, I'm writing it down. I'm putting this on the list. Okay, uh, as always, lots of text. White Christmas. Uh, let's see. The Blues Brothers, never get tired of that. Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford. I love that. Fugitive with Harrison Ford. On Golden Pond with uh, H- uh, K- uh, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, yes, that's certainly one um, dot, 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 dot. Um, I can watch Bridge on the River Kwai over and over again. You know, I can, too. I can watch Lawrence of Arabia over and over again as well. Um, Overboard uh, with Goldie Hawn, couple people, Dirty Dancing, um, Steve McQueen movie, Bullet. It goes on and on and on. Whatever, whatever your movie that you never get tired of is, that's one of the great things for me. Well, I, I Casablanca would be one almost famous. The, the Cameron Crowe thing about um, semi-autobiographical about touring with a rock band. I look at that kid and I think, if I lived in San Diego, that kid could have been me. Those would be two of mine, but I have to admit I've got a lot more. My wife would tell you that. All right, when we come back, Eric Bilstadt on the road at the Bavarian Beer House in Glendale. Thank you for participating in Pop Culture Corner. It will return, I guarantee it.